it's got a great history and there's been plenty of champions that have won it so there's no two ways around it it's an iconic race of australia Ross, if I told you we had a guy that we could access that has been a professional cyclist and then he's come back to Australia, his hometown in Melbourne here, and he's still racing, still riding, still committed, and he's actually a guy who actually wins quite a lot, like a lot. Would that be someone you'd be interested in talking to? I'd say let's do it, Scotty. What, what have you got in mind? Well, there's a bloke that I met a few years ago when I was trying to get a cycling kit done, and I, I met this guy. He's, he works for Tonelli Australia. And uh, he was really good to deal with. And we just started having a chat over the phone as I was ordering this kit. And turns out we sort of had a bit of a common view on, on riding. And then a little bit later, I found out that he actually raced overseas. And then a few years later, I actually found that he still races and he's a bit of a gun. So I didn't even know all this, but I found out later he's a bit, a bit of a gun. And then after that, I started getting into racing a little bit, just doing some local crits at my own level. And I thought, oh, I want to do this a bit better. I'll get a, I should get a bit of help. So I, I rang up this bloke and his name is Tommy Nan Curvis. Welcome, Tommy. Thanks for coming on, mate. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So we were just saying before you came on, you're in preparations for a race that's one of your main races for the year that you like, the Melbourne to Warrnambool. How would you say your preparations going there? Oh, I suppose it's pretty good, all things considered. It's a strange year, actually, because... We didn't do anything in the winter. There was no bunch rides. There were no races. There was not really much. And I did things a little bit differently. So I was first day I did pretty much nothing and then yeah. started running a fair bit. And I've never really run before, but I found that it was awesome for balancing out my body, but it's probably cost me a bit of explosive power and um, maybe some grunt, I suppose, but probably yeah. been better for the left-right balance and possibly helped my threshold a little bit, but maybe cost me some top end, but I'm also not getting any younger. So that could have also been a contributing factor, but it's a different definitely a different year and a different approach and i've probably only done maybe three or four local races in the build-up this year so mm. sort of a unknown experience but something different and another lesson learned even though i'm probably running out of days to put those lessons into action so so how old are you now oh, i turned 38 last week or two weeks ago right okay and yeah and you're moving into this race next week when you say top end pal what are you talking about there you feel like that might be a little bit lost or a little bit down compared to other times what are you talking about there yeah maybe my sprint power and my my absolute like all my peak powers and anything from 30 seconds down is probably lower than it used to be just so our listeners are aware, I just want to go through some of what he's done. And Tommy's a fairly humble sort of a guy, so he doesn't really like tooting his own horn, which is probably why he's good at racing, because he just goes and does it. But let me just give you a bit of a background on what he's done, so the listeners can appreciate who we're talking to. He's won club, regional, state, national, and Oceania titles as a racer. He's raced 10 years full-time overseas, both in the States and in Europe, and in particular in Belgium, which is a major draw card for us, Ross. As he said, he was one step below the World Tour, but often racing against those guys in races because obviously those teams get invited into the top races as well. He made a living from it, lived the dream. He met his wife overseas too. He's with his wife and they've got a daughter, so things have turned out pretty well from that point of view. He's won an podium in Pro Camises in Belgium, and they are, you know, ruthlessly hard races. And from when he moved back to Melbourne, when did you move back to Melbourne after being overseas, Tommy? Oh, the end of 2013, right at the end, December. 
And then he was uh, racing with um, an NRS team for a few years and has continued to race some of the big single day races here in Australia and also on the lo- local club criterium scene here in Melbourne, which is a very competitive scene. And his team that he races out of, or the club he's with is Caulfield Carnegie Cycling Club, a pretty famous cycling club in Australia. And they tend to host the best and fastest and hardest uh, crit races in Melbourne. And they often get, you know, NRS and also sometimes pro riders turning up to World Tour Pros. So he races those and he wins those races frequently. He's a third generation cyclist, maybe your fourth. He, he wasn't sure about that. His great grandfather. <laughs> His great-grandfather, I think, rode as well, but his dad rode and his grandfather rode, and Tom has also told me quite a few stories about how they guided him. And then just a few more little points here. In 2017, Tommy, he won 25 criteriums in the season. 25. 25. I think there's only like 28 races for the season, so he won nearly all of them. As he says, that's not that big a deal for him because he focuses on other things, but some other people think that's amazing, and I do too. And when we're talking that, we're talking winning out of a field of, say, 50 or 60 riders. And, you know, two or three times he's won at least 13 races in a season. And then finally, and this is, I had to drag this stuff out of him, really. He's not, like I said, he's not much of a person who toots his own horn. So I had to drag it out of him. And finally, from 2014 to 2020, his lowest placing at his home racetrack at Glenvale, in, where they do the criteriums in Melbourne, his lowest placing was third. So that's in a period of like four or five years, lowest wow. placing on third. So what we're, who we've got here is um, an incredible racer at any stand. It's a bit like that money ball. You know, some racers know how to win no matter what, and then some look like they could win, but maybe they don't win as much. So this is a guy who knows how to craft wins and also – he doesn't see himself as much of an endurance type athlete. He actually came out of a power and speed sort of background. And he, as he puts it, he needs to hang on like hell to get through the crunch parts of races so he can get to the finish where he's quite powerful. Hmm. Yeah, that's an impressive, um, impressive little running sheet there, Scotty. And Tom, in the true spirit of half wheeling, like we're, we're real sort of backslapping, um, you know, hero worshipping type setup here. Like that's, that's what we sort of crave. So just just for this next little while, just just sort of take away the humble man that you are, and just yep. take the opportunity to to be a half wheeler. Um, and you know, Scotty and I talk about this sort of stuff. You've actually done it, so we're in esteemed company. Here. When I think of the warning, because, you know, I'm from Wangaratta, so we've had a couple of guys who've been able to win it. Brendan McCall have won it quite a few years ago. Dean Woods has won it. It's, yeah, claim it's, Reece Pollock as well. You can just do that claim. Yep, yep. Like, we'll claim him. He's not far from Wang. <laughs> I mean, it carries with it such a mystique, and it, it's been around for over 100 years. Well, like, it's a brutal one-day race. How many times have you raced it, Tommy? And can you give us a bit of an insight into, A, your preparation going into it and the different ways that it's played out over the years for you? Yeah, I, I'd love to say it's a brutal race. I don't know if it's as brutal anymore. It's a bit of a, not a gentleman's race, but it's not It's not what it used to be. Why is that? Uh, well, it's in February for a start. Oh, the weather, yeah. The team's race now. Equipment's a lot better. The roads are a lot better. There's team support cars. There's, yeah. Yeah, it, it, used but also it used, to, it used to be in the spring here in Melbourne yeah. and, and the prevailing winds would have been headwinds really, wouldn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, it's nearly always southwest in Warrnambool anyway, but the... A lot more man on man? Is what? A lot more man on man back in the day, you know? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, for sure, at? for sure. And everyone was racing on their own and like people yeah. spent their keep and, you know, but yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a lot different now, but on top of that, how easy, and I say easy, 
how much Long easier time. it is to prepare for a seven-hour race if you can train over summer versus the first mm. race of the year being in October off yeah, right. rain and wind and sleet all year. Yep. So, you know, if it takes three or six months of training to be good, being good in Feb, you'd choose, for comfort reasons, you'd choose that over being good in October any day. And that's where it's built with reputation, hasn't it, in that October time slot over the years. Yeah, 100%. You know, that yeah. race of attrition. Now they want the Great Ocean Road and they want all this stuff in it for the cameras yeah. and stuff. Like it's a sport, it's not just a sport built for cameras. Like it's a sport built for getting to a finish line on your knees, but. So just to jump in, Tommy, for a second, we got listeners all over Australia and also all over the world, actually. Seriously, that's uh, that's happening, which is great. We're talking about the Melbourne to Warrnambool Road Race. It's the second oldest road race in the world after Liège, Baston Liège. And how long is it, Tommy? It's 280 k. is that correct? Yeah, just under 276 just or something. 276. There's probably a 4K neutral section, so you can... Yeah, so 270 k's. How much vert? Like 1300? Not much. Is that oh, right? Oh, no idea. Yeah, it wouldn't be much. There's not not much. much. So negligible vert. There's a little, there's one oh, or no, two. There's, co- there's hard hills. There's, yes. There's, yeah, there's like maybe three hills that are about five minutes that are hard. They can be selective hills, can't they? The ocean road, and then the finish is lumpy. So yeah, yeah, so it's um, lump, lumpy, lumpy, and and cross, and winds can be the issue. But uh, you might not know from where you live because yep. you're in the hills as soon as you roll out the door. But if you ride on the flat for ages and then you hit a hill, it's, yeah, the it's hill horrible. Knocks you around a bit. Yeah. So anyway, I, I wanted to just make sure that people are understanding what you're talking about by giving that context. So yeah, you feel like it's not as hard as it was, but it so used what to are be the a handicap yeah. too? It used to yep. be a handicap, so that obviously. Yeah, right. Created that um, mystique about it and the, the reputation of being so brutal, but it's not that anymore. So, how many times have you done it? I was trying to work it out the other day. I think it's 10. I think mm. we, we worked all that stuff out before we did that commemorative ride a couple of months ago. But yeah, I've done it 10 times. I think the third time we did it, I was sixth. I think I worked it out. I think I've topped 10 five times out of the 10 starts. Mm. I've been third once, first teams, first time 23. First teams another time. So what's that? Yeah, been on that. What's that? Four times on the. It's not really four podiums, but it's kind of four podiums. But it's only one podium really. Um, one at the senior open level. So yeah, it, it, it means a lot to me, but it, it's strange because it doesn't mean as much anymore. I suppose when I was first starting out, and because Ragsy had won it, mm. he was young when it was a handicap, and my attributes as a rider it kind of suited to, especially trying to turn me into a tougher, harder rider. It was definitely a massive um, part of the way I established myself as a road rider mm. instead of just. Is that disappointing for you to see get to where it is now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, big time. But I don't know that there's anything I can do about that. So, bit of a reflection of the modernisation of sport in yeah, some ways. Exactly, maybe. and like, yeah, people will just say that I'm just a dinosaur, wanting things to be old-fashioned or whatever. But it's uh, it's not really a fair race anymore. You know, like some teams will have like so many riders on it, and then the teams mm. get to feed from a car, and then if you don't have a team, you've got to feed from a feed zone on the side of the road. But yep. The feed zones happen to be 50k an hour, so it's like chaos to try and get a feed bag from a feed zone. Whereas yeah. when I did it, it was like. Everyone had to get their feed zone from the feed station. So mm. not a gentleman's agreement, but even if Stuart O'Grady was racing, he had to get his feed from there as well. Mm. It wasn't in favour of he didn't get to feed from a car and everyone else had to feed from the dangerous feed zones. You know what I mean? It was like, but then I remember the first year I did it and there were teams in it. The teams just belted it through the feed zones at 55 k's an hour so that all the people who had to feed from the side of the road Bloody were chasing the catch back up. But for some reason, the teams have heaps of clout with the organisation and the federation so that's the way it is at the moment and get what they want yeah that's so you know that and they're super well organized and i mean it's kind of it looks cool and it's cool for the riders to be part of that but it's not how i'd have it if i were making it the Mm. working man's classic for australian you know the working australian man or whatever they originated the race with yeah 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 I've downplayed it a fair bit. I'm not meaning to downplay it too much, but it's yeah, it's a bit, it's a different race now. And yeah, 
you know, there's a, funnily enough, the podium I got was basically a bunch sprint or near on a bunch sprint, but never had a bunch sprint in that race before, you know, like it's, mm, and yeah, there's been a bunch sprint winner. Like we let out my mate, my teammates got Sunderland for the win there. But like the organizers and the people who, who have a heap of passion for the race probably would be really disappointed that it's been won with bunch sprints because it used to be a race where people were coming in in ones and twos and yeah, yeah, split to pieces, threes and fours, and yeah. it's in tatters and it's raining. And there's, it, when it was in October, no matter what happened, you always got showers, like, you know, it could be perfectly mm. sunny day and then the clouds come in and you got you know dumped on for five seconds and then back to yep. that's what it's like riding down in the, the west so yeah, yeah it's, right. it's definitely not like yeah it's a it's a different race now it's not i don't want to say a gentleman's race but it's like a it's a lot more controlled yeah it's more controlled and it's like a bit more tactical you know there's breakaways that are going away from this near on the start that go to the finish and then there's a bunch of sprints and yeah, anything can happen so i mean it's still an awesome race to win and you know there's it's got a great history and there's been plenty of champions that have won it so there's no two ways around it it's an iconic race for australia mm. so tommy a few times today you referred to previous levels of performance or levels of training that you've done and then you're you know almost sort of reflecting on where you're at today and you talked about in the winter you did a bit of running and a few other things so you didn't do your normal uh, amount of riding through the winter but nevertheless you've had a you know your last three or four months you've had a bit of a build-up in part with the warning in mind i'm assuming there so, you know, what are you trying to do there? What, what are you you're going into race the warning next week? What's your goals for the race? What are you trying to do for you? Um, funny one, because I know it's your thing. Well, I'm, I'm not real big on the goal setting. Like I, when I was younger, I would just say I want to win it. Like there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Now, seeing how good, how many guns are on the start list, seeing how the guys raced today, seeing the talent coming through the ranks. Like if, if I ended up with the top 10, I'd be like, that'd be the ride of my life, I reckon. So That'd be a good achievement. But then, yeah. yeah, who races for a top 10? It's kind of, mm. <laughs> if you've got top 10 in mind and then you're put in a position where you could win, you're thinking top 10, you've already fucked yourself. So You have, yes, <laughs> um, you have. It's, uh, but then if you're going there to win, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky balance, but I'm, I'm not, that's the best way to put it. Like if I, if I can leave the race knowing that it's all left out on the course, I'll be happy because I don't want to be screwed out of it tactically. I don't want to be in the second group sitting on because there's no chance to win i'd like rather be in the front group and <laughs> be in pieces and come 12 out of 12 yeah. if, if yeah. i leave it all out there you know like there's you don't want to get to the finish with something left because then you're left wondering for whenever the next race i do but yeah mm. so what would be the, a possible circumstance like to, for the listeners like what would they you know what what would be a, a likely some sort of likely scenario that that would happen you know you'd be in the front group when would it split and what would you know you've been in enough of them to sort of know how I know other teams are controlling the race more than ever before, but for you to be in that front group and then be a, be a possible contender and you're leaving, what would it look like maybe? Well, it's a different course now. Like it's changed in the last three years. So before I would have known exactly, but now yeah. it's kind of everyone, the first year of the new course, everyone pretty much knew when the break did finally go that it was going to be gone and we weren't going to see it again. And that took two and a half hours. But then last year it probably took three and a half hours and then it sort of almost came back together and I caught the bunch as the all leaders went off the front. Right. So I didn't make contact with them. So I was strangely really content last year. Coming, I came eighth last year because I never actually saw the leader of the race once I caught the main bunch. Yeah. Was that a solo bridge across to that? No, no group? small group, small group. Yep, yep. But I, I was not in a panic. But the year before, like fifteen or eighteen guys went up the road early on, and the whole race just shut down. It was basically a recovery ride to the finish. Yeah, which has got me fucked. Why people train when they are happy to pay an entry fee, rock up to a race, and then just dawdle along to the finish line because their teammate in a mm. move. That ruffles my feathers, but what ruffles my feathers more, not like, funnily enough, we won the team's classification that day and I had two teammates up the road, but no other team had two teammates. So it was almost a walkover for us to win the race, uh, the team's class. What gets me is that guys rock up to a race, and I mentioned it before, mm. 
and their teammate go up the road and they've got like the prize money you're going to make is almost nothing like it's going to pay for your coffees for two weeks kind of thing <laughs> and the entry fee isn't even probably going to be covered by the time you split the winnings between everyone so why don't guys want to get a result for themselves i just i'll never understand i'll never understand as long as i live how you can rock up to a race on a team where no one gets paid on a sport where the only thing that's going to get you to the next level is your own personal results not your teammates results more than likely the teammate couldn't give two rats about you he only wants his own result and he's up the road shooting for his own result it's not you don't even need a killer attitude you just need a like what yeah i don't know i'm lost I just, I, I will never understand it as long as I live. Just have a crack. That's the, that's that's the thing we're going through in cycling at the moment. That's just what yeah. cycling's adjustment to the yeah. new culture yeah. of teams and training methods and new this and new that. And a lot more controlled and um, yeah, I've been, I've been the French teams I was on. All the, the, the teammates hated it if you were from not from France and were going to get a result. Mm. They wanted the team up against you to beat you. But <laughs> I was lucky in the US. Like my second stint in the US, we can talk about another time because we're talking for too long. But when you like that, we were getting paid and the, when we won there were team bonuses for winning and the teammate who would win he was just the best dude ever and he didn't want the bonuses for himself he wanted them for the team and that creates team morale and that gives you a reason to win as a team mm. because you got more money and then your contracts got better but mm. for the guys here you know there's young guys that are on good teams and they're winning a lot locally and there's guys on teams locally that are happy to sacrifice everything for the team and i'm like dude you know that next year or the year after when the team's got the budget stretched or the team folds or something happens you know the team does not give a fuck about about what results you contributed to the team last year. They want to see what's Billy got next to his name. Mm. And you go, oh, well, I helped the team do this. Yeah, but you didn't win anything. And I've seen the, the wrong end of that. And I'm just trying. I'm not trying to be an asshole about it. I'm just saying. Yeah, you just see this is how it works. Yeah. I, I, I don't care. I'd rather my, get my golf handicap lower than be winning races now. But mm. that's what, like, you know that you're not going to be riding your bike on a team for much longer if you don't start looking out for yourself. And they look at me mm. like I'm an alien, and they think I'm just. I don't know. I think they just think I'm trying to trick them out of getting a result. But um, you're seeing it like guys are on teams, and then the team cuts them, and I'm like, but you won four yeah. or five times last year, yeah. dude. What did they cut you for? Yeah, oh, they just did. Maybe you didn't win enough big races, or you know, it doesn't matter. But like, if you've got five wins, even local wins next to your name, if you don't have that, and you go to a new team, they they don't even want to know who you are. Yeah, often riders are swallowing the spin these days. Thanks for that. That's as a great insight to the warning. Your team, you'll be no, no, that's good. Yeah. Your team that you'll be racing for on the day is Stitch and Dart. Stitch and Dart, and you'll yeah. be wearing the uh, the yellow and red kit. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incognito. We're just we're flying under the radar, so, so no one knows for, what we look like. So it, for the yeah, that's right. It's um, yeah, it's a, a very kit up. it's a it's a bright it's a very bright kit. It stands out. It's different. It's um, it's almost deliberately uncool, which I reckon makes it cool. So oh, for anyone who's watching geez. the warning online, they can Tinelli see. Kit, Tommy? Tinelli. It is, yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Tommy works for Tonelli. He's one of their main men there. So so you can get kits off him as well, people. But also, you can if you're watching it online, the Melbourne Warnable, you'll be you'll be able to see the Stitch and Dart boys, and you'll be able to look out for Tommy and see if he makes these splits as he's intending to. 